you're always behind me. Welcome to Fabulous <laughs> Fool's Tarot Book Club Podcast. Karen still can't get the countdown right, but I love her. <laughs> uh, ah! Yeah, that's right. And I'm at Grail Karen Seeker's Quest. with Grail Seeker's Quest. <laughs> this month, this once a month thing is really throwing me off. This is me with Mystical Millennial. What? Okay. <laughs> Gee. Uh, yeah. No, because I'm up to... This is the third podcast officially that I'm doing now because it's nuts. I, I don't even know how you keep your podcast life straight. Any- um. Well, Witches Who Watch is new. That's right. the, the new, the first. Actually, I'm part of the reboot for Witches Who Watch. I'm the new co-host for one of the original awesome. co-hosts. And uh, we just did Hocus Pocus, which I did not watch until I was 30 years old and I got a lot of flack for. So Kylie was like, oh, we're covering it. <laughs> like, yes, please. Um, so that is happening once every week because I don't edit it. <laughs> and Mystical Millennial happens bi-weekly and this happens wow. once a month. That's, yeah, that's – so that, you know, that's not – that uh, seems like that's kind of manageable. But I could – if it were me, I'd be forgetting, like, which podcast I was on <laughs> at, in that moment. <laughs> I think what I forget more is, like, the format – of the podcast and I'm like oh what day are we supposed to drop <laughs> like right because uh, I was in, I was talking I was trying to find a new guest for mystical millennial and I was like and the person was like okay when do we record and I was like oh wait the guest episode just dropped so I'm doing just me and Patrick next time which is in two weeks or one week from the date this is airing mm-hmm. and then so I won't need you for like a month I was like, wait, when do we record, though? <laughs> so I have enough time to edit, et cetera. But, That's oh, so wow. Fun, How have you? Though. It, it is fun. It is fun. No, I mean, like, I've cut books here, movies and TV on Witches Who Watch, and then literally whatever the fuck else I want on Mystical Millennial and drinks on Mystical Millennial. Mm-hmm. So, for those of you not in the know, Mystical Millennial, my husband Patrick, he makes cocktails he's an amateur mixologist <laughs> and uh, he designed a cocktail that we boringly named patrick's fall smash because we couldn't come up with anything more fun <laughs> but it's a delicious cocktail and you should go listen to find out how to make it because it's amazing which episode is it that is it's october which is let's get spooky okay which yeah. I, I say in a voice that is not the the excitement i wish to incite for the actual title <laughs> i love that this, title though. it's october which is let's get spooky that's better <laughs> that's much better how have you been good I, I have to say i've been getting really excited about our little harry potter party that we're doing for halloween mm. because you know we're like we aren't going trick-or-treating, and we have a, a two little kids, um, but we're, it just so happens that we're reading Harry Potter, um, my kids and I are, and my son had read it um, before when he was a little bit younger, but my daughter wanted to read it, so we started reading it, and Harry Potter is like the perfect Halloween-y kind of... Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, and so we actually had a couple... Like, my son was Harry Potter last... Uh, Halloween, uh, because we had a couple, like some little friend of theirs had a Harry Potter themed birthday. And so they got like Harry Potter glasses and, and wands that they, you know, that they, and my kids kept it and they play Harry Potter all the time. So 
getting a cheap Hogwarts robe isn't that hard to it, like it's pretty cheap and then anyway there's a bunch of like knockoff like wizard robe yeah. or wizard you know crest because also because jk rowling has now added herself as a horrifying person so yeah don't buy harry potter brand ma- merchandise y'all yeah and i don't know much about that yeah she basically is saying a lot of transphobic things like Jeez. women like women who don't menstruate are women or like people who menstruate like not basically not being inclusive and being incredibly transphobic and then her new book that was coming out was like the murderer is uh always dressed in women's clothing so it's like her literal book is demonizing trans people and it would be like fine for that subject because it is an interesting subject like a lot of serial killers they'll dress up you know they Mm -hmm. like become this alter ego but coupled with her comments you can't yeah uh, that are transphobic it and then there were some excerpts from the book that came out that were like incredibly islamophobic as well so she's like hitting all the points yeah geez And, and because because she like forgot that she wrote harry potter on like a diner napkin with her baby on her knee divorced because she forgot that she also came from humble beginnings is like well i'm untouchable so i'm not gonna apologize ah that's yeah, she's you know. just being a huge ass. Like, everybody, like, all of, like, Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson and Rupert Grant were all like, Joe's a nice person. And then she wouldn't apologize, and they were just like, oh, never mind. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah, it's it's gross. Mm, that's, uh, that's so, uh, well. But it's interesting, because I, I was talking to my one friend, because we were like, there, there's cancel culture, you know? Right. Like, with Bill Cosby, and now you can't find the Cosby show anywhere. Mm-hmm. But. Harry Potter is such a motherfucking institution. Yeah, you can't take it from my kids. Like, it's its own institution. No, I love Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. Yeah, you can just boot her from the whole scene and still have your Harry Potter. (laughs) Yeah, bye. Bye, JK. Bye, Joe. Yeah, it belongs to the people now. Take your awful... Yeah, it it motherfucking does. I saw this great TikTok thing where they designed runway style dresses of the houses. Mm. And my comment was, let's put a bunch of trans people in these dresses and say, fuck you, JK Rowling. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I just had to say that PSA because. <laughs> well, it's good. I really wasn't like totally on top of it. And I knew there was something and I decided, you know, it's like I'm going to enjoy the books for what they are. And, oh, hell yeah. You should. Like, they're amazing. They're so magical for my kids. Although I have always had some issues with how she ended the series. Because I think there was some cheap-ass, lazy-ass writing in the final book. But that's we can yes. talk about that she was dumb. <laughs> she was dumb with it. No, we should absolutely cover Harry Potter at some point. But that would be like a massive fucking undertaking. Because I haven't read them in many in years. In a long time, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> I, I donated my copy because I thought it would be wonderful for a child to have their own copy oh, yeah. of Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Cause, and all of mine were hardback. Um, I read the first three mm-hmm. when my grandmother died, and we oh, were just yeah. all sitting around. Like, yeah, so those books, like, huge part of my childhood. Yeah. Like, yeah. my aunt gifted them to me, and I was growing up with them. So, like, the last one came out when I was a senior in high school, I believe. Oh, so, like, yeah. I grew up. Right. As Harry Potter. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah, I grew up literally as they were growing up. See, and that's the way to do it. Like, the problem I'm running into now is that my daughter is six, 
And as we read through it, we're going to quickly get to a book where I just don't think it's the right time for her. Like we're on book three with her right now. And and even now, like the Dementors are like kind of scary. Well, and like in the fourth one, spoiler alert, someone dies. Like straight up dies. And that's going to be. Oh, yeah. So I think we're going to we're going to stop after book three. And we have a whole bunch of other stuff that's on our reading list. And we're going to go, you know, because we read at bedtime together. So um, that's like a routine we have. And so, yeah, we're going to. sweet. (laughs) I get mad when they, you know, roughhousing is like their thing. And, you know, like tonight it was like all kinds of nonsense when reading time was over and all they need to do is go to the bathroom and then get in bed. And is that what they do? No. No. <laughs> and so I'm like, that's Of course it. not. It's, it was like out of control. I'm like, well, we're not going to read tomorrow night if it's going to be like this at bedtime. So now I can't read tomorrow night. But it's like punishment for me, basically, because I'm having so much fun rereading Harry Potter with them. <laughs> it's like. Aww. <laughs> See, that's the key. I think that's the key. You should read books to your kids that you are also excited about because mm-hmm. – Kids can totally tell moods. Like, if they're just like, okay, we'll read right. this stupid book. Like, Well, there are some stupid kids' books out there. Oh, there definitely <laughs> are. But, I mean, like, I always read, um, oh, my God, what were they? The um, the tree, Magic Treehouse. Oh, okay. Oh, I have to check those out. I haven't read those. Oh, the Magic Treehouse books are so fun. They It's, a, it's like a time machine. The Treehouse oh. is like a TARDIS. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There's always, like, a magical object waiting for them in the treehouse. Like, if they're going to go, like, be on a pirate ship, there's, like, a little toy pirate ship or something. Oh, cool. There's, like, one where they go to the Titanic the night that it sinks. It's, oh, it's so good. Oh, I can't even tell my son about that. Oh, he's got, like. Oh, yeah, he's obsessed. (laughs) Like, literally. I need to talk to that boy because I was also obsessed with the mystery of the Titanic. Like, there's just such a weird-ass, like god up there she's like oh you think it's unsinkable (laughs) watch this (laughs) hold my beer (laughs) oh my gosh seriously oh my gosh well (sighs) well we're talking today about find me gone by sarah muleman muleman i really should have double checked on that she's have you seen this woman's instagram she's a a gorgeous woman it's okay all right belgian yeah she's belgian she is belgian yes so did she write this in english because it sure seemed like it was written in english yes okay yes everything on our instagram is english okay okay i i get the impression i actually didn't look this up um i get the impression that they speak english a lot in belgium okay actually i went to belgium very briefly and everybody pretty much spoke english wow it's like a bit, it's like English or French. Okay, cool. I had no, yeah. no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I went to, um, we went to, oh crap. It was like a day trip when we were in Amsterdam. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, we re- we read this book. It is, um, hella spoilery, y'all. Like, yeah. I know some of y'all probably listened to Binti and were like, spoilers, whatever, like. But, but this yeah. is like, mm-hmm. I took, Karen, I finished the book before Karen, y'all. I finished the book <laughs> and then I read half of it again before she even finished it. Oh, you reread it. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's a reason for that, but I'll get okay, back to yeah, that. Okay. Okay. The end. So we're, so 
we read Find Me Gone, so that's our book today, yeah. this month, uh, rather, or whenever the hell you're listening to this. I hope y'all enjoyed the book. I really want to know how y'all are enjoying this new format, because it's very yeah. different. We would really love some feedback, please, yeah. and thank you. Yeah. Like, DM us on Instagram. We are friendly. We love you. <laughs> um, but first, we have to read tarot cards, because it's just not not true to ourselves if we don't read tarot cards. That's right. So, it is Scorpio season, oh. and... It is most recently Samhain or Halloween. I remember last year we recorded for Halloween and we couldn't figure out how to say Samhain. And now I'm like full on witch and I'm like, Samhain, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very excited. I get to read cards on Halloween. We're recording this before Halloween, but I get to read tarot on Halloween. I'm so excited. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm doing a market. Mm. I'm very excited. I've been so- Markets are back. They're going well. I'm so happy. Oh, that's cool. But anyway, Samhain, the, the... Blue supermoon, I guess, in Taurus mm. is happening on Samhain. Cool. Um, but we're just, I think we should just pull cards for Scorpio season. So I have the Ludi Lesko tarot because it is oh, kind yeah. of a slutty deck and the main character is kind of a slut. No, I shouldn't even say that word. Like, we don't say it in a bad way. I don't know. No, I, you know, right? I don't. <laughs> I don't anymore. It's not a bad Although <laughs> I have issues with the main character, which we're going to get. I swear to God, I, I need to bitch about this woman. And it's also kind of a spooky deck. It's been my alternate. I've mostly been using the vampire tarot. But um, it's starting to give me repeat cards because it's really tired. <laughs> I only pull it out for <laughs> Halloween and it's like, I'm done with you. So what did you bring? I brought the t- tarot de la nuit. So it's tarot of the night. Because it's dark. You know, it's a, it's a nighttime it's, I love this deck. Yeah, it's very, um, pr- it's this time of year, it's like dark all the time, it's rainy over here, so it's, you know, it's practically like night 24-7, so yeah, it fits the mood of the year, and it's got a lot of gray tones and things like that, so. So it is yeah, the Ludi so Lesko, it's like all very like bluish gray and dark, dark purple, I kind of love it. Mm-hmm. All right, so we yeah. do for each other first, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So just do one All right. for, for I'll pull a card. Season. Yes. I'm going to pull a card for you for Scorpio season. Oh, you got the star. Oh, yay. Oh, that's so nice. Hey, Look how pretty. Awesome. Oh, yeah. She's so, it's very classic star, but instead of having like a, she, I actually don't remember the star if she has a water jug, but she's clothed in purple with like a silver lining. She looks so beautiful. And there's a big star over the misty forest behind her, but she's just dipping her hands into the water. Which have the same, like, star pattern that's in the sky. Mm-hmm. So it seems like for you, you should find solace. You know, you look up at the star and you think that there's, like, this big universe and there's, like, a lot of other things out there. And, and that can be hopeful. Like, that's kind of the traditional message of the star. But I think this is pointing to finding that in everyday things. Like, water is, like, one of the most basic everyday things. We need it to survive. Mm-hmm. If you're running through the woods and you find a river, like, you can use that to help navigate. You can use that to refresh yourself, you know, whether you need to bathe or drink. Hopefully the water is clean and drinkable. <laughs> it's like finding kind of an everyday sort of refuge and hope for yourself. Oh, cool. That's nice. Okay. I, let's see what I got. Ooh. You have gotten this card before. It's okay. It's shiny. It's hard to see my light, but reverse ten of swords. Oh my god! Yes. Oh, yeah. It's like that person that's like floating in the water, right? Mm-hmm. 
and their face is out of the water and they're looking up and there's kind of moonlight in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually, I want to check the guidebook in this deck because it has a slightly different take on the cards. And I kind of like in, when there's a deck that does things a little bit differently. It says life after drowning. Whoa. Yeah. So it says, I'm drowning in waters of betrayal. Should I struggle against this disaster? No, it's no use. I can't but let go. I feel too desperate and shocked to fight. It talks about like rebirth after this kind of process. So, but it's reversed, right? So it talks about just kind of letting go. And this person in the water does seem very calm, right? It's different than the classic Ten of Swords with the Rider weight system where the person is basically relaxed because they've been stabbed by 10 swords this person is alive and they're almost just looking like they're looking up at the sky thinking about where they're at and what's next it's a really i really like this 10 of swords sometimes i see reversals as being stuck in that stage it's sort of like you're in this moment and you're not moving out of it that's not necessarily a bad thing. It might just be like where you're at. Like, you know, honestly, like life is so stressful with work and everything like that. I mean, this to me just seems like a very calming card. I mean, this person just looks relaxed, like they've been through something. And and it's just that moment before they pick up all their bags again and and get hiking on the trail, on a new trail. I've been through a lot Mm. and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like be here for a moment. (laughs) before I get started again. I think those moments are okay to embrace and just stay with them for as long as you need to before like, you know, forcing yourself to just keep going when you don't feel ready to. That makes sense. I've been having a lot of that lately. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking two days off after the election because I'm just going to need a mental break from whatever the fuck ends up being the outcome, hopefully. Mm-hmm. The thing I've been saying is Trump is going to get fired, so mote it be. <laughs> oh. All right. All right. So for, for everyone, everyone else. else. Ooh, Ace of Wands. The universe. Damn. Look at oh, her okay, freaking awesome. salamander jewelry she got on. I love this. Oh, oh wow, it's so... Crazy. I love the aces in this deck. That might be the fav- my favorite part of this whole deck is the aces because it's just a woman in a mask with like the fun element and there's like there's always a hand coming at her with the el- with like the element so in this case there's like a hand a gloved hand with a a stick it looks like a walking mm-hmm. stick it's got like a knot on the top but she's like literally yeah. got tree bark for her mask it's so and <laughs> salamander like this big salamander chain around her neck and it's so broody i freaking love it She's so <laughs> sexy, but it's so broody. Like, she's at this party. Like, you can see the curtains behind her. And she's kind of just, like, fed up probably with being annoyed by old dudes. Because <laughs> she's very pretty. Um, I think. But the Ace of Wands is this card of, like, starting a new creative cycle. You know, mm-hmm. the look on her face, this very apathetic look, apathetic, fed up look on her face makes me think that there's been a lot of creative stagnation lately, which... I feel like has been the case from a lot of people I've talked to. And yeah, with coronavirus, cr- coronavirus, <laughs> the election, like Mercury retrograde is right now until until election day. Oh my god, please let it be fine. But when Mercury retrograde can finally be over, I feel like there's this renewal of creative 
process. So I feel like that means that make all of your plans, like get ready because it's like striking a match, which is perfect for wands, right? You strike mm-hmm. the match and then that match is going to burn fast and and hot. Say it. <laughs> you want to say furious? No, I was going to say fiery. <laughs> Sorry, I'm teasing you about movies. No, that's fine. <laughs> um it's a promise of renewal of creative energy but it is very much like still kind of feeling apathetic but the renewal is coming thank god Mm -hmm. i think we all need a little bit of that spark you know i feel like doing a fire ritual would be very helpful as well like you know if you write down a bunch of stuff that you want to let go of or a bunch of stuff that's like annoying the shit out of you write it down and burn it Mm -hmm. that might be very helpful and then make us some more with it Okay. I'm coming in with, like, the witchy shit, and you're just like, mom idea. Food. Make us more. <laughs> After you purge, you've got to have the comfort food. That's Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. What did you pull? I pulled a reverse knight of wands. Like, why reverse wands? Knight of wands? Um, wands, yeah. And actually, the, you know, so. Oh, she's a sexy lady, too. Yeah, and she's wearing red. Hell so I guess yeah. I lied when I said this was a bunch of blue tones in this deck. <laughs> it's fire. Great. There's like fire in the background. It looks like well, and actually, I guess that makes sense now that I think about it because all the scenes are at night. So of course, like if you're gonna have a wands set of cards, then you would just have fire, which of course is gonna shine really brightly when it's dark sure. outside. Something's on fire. I, I don't know. Uh, Stonehenge is on fire. I can't really tell. <laughs> you know, the knights are acting on your inspiration. Yeah. And like they're the ones who are sort of the doers of the deck. And so, you know, maybe following off of your Ace of Wands card, it's kind of, it's a card about, you know, moving forward on those ideas that you have. But, um, Sometimes, okay, again, I think of reversals also sometimes as posing questions rather than answers. And so... Like, you know, how if, can you jumpstart your creativity? Yeah, or like... Yeah, like, okay, that's so like perfect with the Ace of Wands, though, because it's like a promise of renewal of creativity. But, like, you have to answer specifically for yourself what it is, mm-hmm. how it is you do that. I hijacked your yeah, rating. I'm so you sorry. Know. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, that's, I mean, I really think it's like any question that's like that, or like, if there might be a reason, you know, for somebody that might be feeling a little stuck in this, and it's a question like, what, what is that thing? Like, maybe requires a little more attention. Like, if you feel like you want to move forward on something, but you can't, then what is that thing that is causing you to not take that step? Or is it really the the time? Mm. So me personally, not that this is a card for myself, but with everything, you know, like working from home and all at home right now, and I feel like it's a lot of stop and go. It's just very haphazard forward movement. Like I have all these creative ideas, whether it's at work or at home, but it's so difficult sometimes to just have the time and the space and the energy to move forward in a consistent way. Um, I feel like that's what this pandemic and the changes that have come as a result of it have like caused to happen. You know, it's just hard to keep a handle on everything and be systematic and organized in the ways that I used to be 
you know, when my kids were going to school and I was going to a workplace, you know, and, mm. and like the heart is willing, but <laughs> it doesn't mean it's going to be so easy to actually do it, you know? Mm. <laughs> and I think acknowledging that sometimes is, you know, admitting that and just sitting with that and, and it's okay. Like that, that happened. We're human. Yes. Cool. Pictures will be on the Instagram, yeah. y'all. All right. Find me gone. Sarah Muleman. Lovely, lovely writing style. Yeah. Love this. And the way the book is organized. Tiny chapters, which are great. Like, if you have five minutes to read, I'm like, I'll read one chapter. Thank you. You can make progress at any point, which I'm sure was very helpful for you, Karen, with your insane schedule. (laughs) Yeah, lots of interruptions in my house. (laughs) And, like, honestly, the way she writes, like, chunks of stewed pear bob in a pool of red. And I'm just like, the poet in me is like... I know, yeah. <gasps> yeah, yes. very poetic language. It's so pleasing. Yeah. Yes. So good. I feel like it's consistent throughout, right. honestly. Because the book gets more and more fucking chaotic. Yeah, that's right. As um, does the, the main character. But yeah. No, and I, I think she's even so poetic that like sometimes she even breaks with language convention in really poetic ways. And, and I think it's clear, even on page one, that her, her the way she uses language is really... God, it's so good. Yeah. Like, that first chapter is just so vivid. Mm-hmm. Like, she talks about how the whole room seems to be melting because it's so dilapidated. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would say this is a bad book, first yeah. of all. I don't agree with that statement, right. even though I... It was very intriguing. But we should talk plot all right yeah, let's summarize seriously y'all it is spoilery right. and you do not want this spoil. this is one time where i would be fucking horrified if someone spoiled yeah, this for did, me yeah. because i will tell you i was mad <laughs> when i got to the twist yeah there is a twist i was so mad yeah. i was in public at the beach <laughs> i was actually at a pool i was i was on vacation at a pool yeah, I finally decided to break my social distancing. I really needed to go on vacation, y'all. I'm at the pool, and the only reason I didn't throw this book across <laughs> the room is because I was in public. But I almost started screaming. Wow. Because I literally didn't see it coming, and honestly, I was super mad at myself. Oh, really? Oh, that's funny. I had no idea. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely none. <laughs> I get it. Did you have an okay, idea? So I knew something was up. And, and let me tell you why, because she's so expertly, like, here's what happens in the story. And, and maybe we'll do a summary in a minute, because it's way too fun to talk about this stuff first. She's very, very good at jumping from present to past. It's so clear. Oh, my so God. Clear. There's actually, like, three stories going on mm-hmm. at any given section of the book. So, okay, we are getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, so Hannah is the main <laughs> character. Hannah is a columnist for a magazine. In New York, which is really similar because Sarah Muleman works for Vogue or worked for mm-hmm. Vogue. So she knows what she's talking about. But, like, the thing is, is that the, our main character starts by, like, leaving her fancy-ass Manhattan apartment to go live in Queens, I think. Bushwick. I don't know. I, I don't know New is. York. Um, <laughs> Sorry, New Yorker. <laughs> like, basically to live in a room that is now her apartment with no furniture and, like, a dilapidated mattress because she wants to write a novel, which is the most, like, 
self-flagellating thing I think I've ever heard in my life. Why do you need to give up your entire life well, to write a book? she doesn't realize at the time Listen. that she's punishing herself, but she is. <laughs> she's punishing herself. She is, which we also don't realize because we're, like, all of her friends are like, what the fuck? Because she also dumps her fucking perfect her boyfriend. Her supportive, adoring boyfriend. Her <laughs> husband, husband. Yeah, actually. like, you... Oh, are they married? They got divorced, just... and he proposed to her again while she's in the beginnings of her drug downward spiral. No, they didn't get divorced. They, I think they did. They got divorced, and then okay, and then she like she left. I know yeah, she like she bails fucking on fucking just bailed, but she doesn't but yeah. know why. In the beginning of the book, she has no clue why. She she blames it on her miscarriage at first, right? And yeah, she blames it on her miscarriage, which is valid, but like it's not the real reason. Right. She doesn't know what the real reason is, but she finds out. <laughs> she does find um, out. And we find well, out. So and that I, the story is us finding out. In the present day is Hannah. And then every chapter or so you get these jumps backward in time to her childhood when she's about twelve. Uh and she's with a friend, Sophie. And and so the, the story in the past is about those two. That goes on throughout the book, is that you have Hannah's present day life as it slowly begins to unravel. And then you also get the story of what went on in the past. Leading up to this moment, it's clear and clear as it leads up to this moment, you're going to find out what's really bothering her as, as an adult. And... Last chance for spoilers, bitches. Right, right. And, <laughs> and like... As you're getting closer to finding out what happened in the past, she's also becoming more and more unraveled in the present. And I will say, too, that the character Sophie, in the stories about the past, she is abused by her father. And so yes, like, it's very triggering. Trigger, yeah, trigger alert. It surprised the hell out of me. I was very upset. Well, you know, she was, like, dropping, like, these little tiny hints. Right. It's very artfully done. Right. It's which I I have read another book before where um the main character who's like 12 gets raped and it was very like they describe it very surreally. I mean, it's hard to talk about these things, but I feel like It is. But I was able to read it. I guess I would put it that way that it was written in such a way as to really elevate the story of the character who was undergoing that situation so back to like your question about did I figure it out and I'm gonna say no but like I kind of got part way there and it was because of something you said because I you had finished it so far before I did and like here's what was going on in my mind like right away in the first pages her actual writing with the language is so genius and then mm-hmm. she's jumping back and forth in time, and she's doing it so smoothly. It's never confusing at all. It's never confusing. Yeah, and meanwhile, uh, she's also throwing in p- little glimpses into the lives of these three female writers that the main character as an adult is researching. And again, it's never confusing. It's so well done. This writer is so smart how she writes this book, but then... So good. But what I got... So I kind of like... And I never figure anything out. Like, I read mysteries all the time. I never have any clue who does it. But, like, whenever she goes into the stories set in the past where these two girls who are best friends do everything together, share secrets, all that, she, she was doing this really... This thing that I found confusing 
where even sometimes inside one paragraph, she shifts the narrative perspective from one girl to the other. From Sophie to Hannah and Hannah to Sophie. No warning. It takes you a sentence to figure it out. You don't even get a paragraph break sometimes. And so I'm like, now why would she do that? Like, obviously she's a sophisticated writer. Like, why is she doing that? I thought that too. And like, yeah, there was like one really pivotal scene where, so Hannah and Sophie are 12 slash 13. Yeah. And Sophie is in love with Hannah. They've been friends since they were little kids, but like they, and I don't even know why at 13 they know how to do this stuff, but like there's a very graphic sexual scene between these two girls. But it's not, it's not like disturbing. I mean, it's like, oh, it's not disturbing. No, it's like sex that, you know, like no, no, between two consenting people who is very nice. Yeah. I mean, they're like, and I think they're actually 11 and 12. Okay. But I want to talk about that because. Didn't you get the sense, like, these kids are doing stuff at, like, 12 years old that I'm like, what the hell? Like, no. I know. I'm like, this is not, I didn't know any about any of this shit when I was 12. Like, they're going to a bar and drinking beer? Like, what? Yeah, what is Belgium like? Like, what what the hell? So that that whole, like, set of things just really threw me off. And and, Yeah, Yeah, and Hannah's dating, like, a 15 slash 16 year old kid. I know, like what? And their parents? I, mean, I don't know. I yeah. This so I didn't even know if that was realistic. I mean, she was almost writing this stuff as if these kids were older high schoolers. I was very surprised because then I'm like, there's some reason she's doing this weird stuff with the narrative perspective. And then around the time I was thinking about that, you had finished the book and you were like. You've got to get to the end. We can't talk about yes. this book until you get to the end. So I, knew, I was losing my freaking mind. So I knew something was up. And what I thought was that it was that those two girls were the same person, that it was one person. Oh. And so what happened, like, as I read the book, I kept testing this theory. Like, does it seem like it's one person? You're not wrong, though. <laughs> My theory kind of fell apart because, like, the way the story is written, like, there are actual things that these two girls do differently. Like, they, they, mm-hmm. at some point, it was just clear they're not the same actual person. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm wrong. I don't know what the twist is going to be. <laughs> because we've teased it so much. And at this point, you really don't care. And I'm sorry for you because <laughs> it's worth reading the entire book because she literally, it's like, it's like page 320 out of like 350. Mm-hmm. She gets real far. So Sophie and Hannah get into a fight. And Hannah's boyfriend is involved in the fight. And Sophie accidentally stabs him. He basically falls down on yeah. a rock and dies. Yeah. He cracks his head open and he's dead. He's dead. It like it happens within five minutes. That happens. And they have to get rid of the body. Yeah, they decide not to tell but, like, anybody. There's this- <laughs> they decide not to tell anybody. Well, and like I guess she supports that because there had recently been like a serial killer of young girls and everybody was like really upset about it. And Sophie doesn't think rationally about fucking anything. Oh, right. Yeah. So Sophie instead because and also she doesn't have anybody to talk to other than her teacher who puts her on a boat and sends her to America. <laughs> And she changes her name from Sophie to Hannah. Yeah, I could have spent. And now, yeah. so she's been Hannah the entire time that we've, our, our adult Hannah 
is actually young yeah, we Sophie. We don't get a lot of explanation of these major decisions that happen that lead to this whole story, basically. There was some really stupid shit, like her new mom, Armenia, mm-hmm. keeping letters from her, from her mother. And I'm like, who cares about Hannah's mom? She's like hardly in the book. Well, it's not Hannah's mom. It's <laughs> Sophie's mom, who is an alcoholic, who doesn't pay right. attention to her. I literally wrote down, this is a stupid plot device. And then it's like not stupid anymore because it's not Hannah, it's Sophie. So my overall thing about the book was... And the end changed my opinion of the book. I I didn't like it because here's what I thought was happening the whole time. Because she teases it. She leads up to it. The command of the language and her techniques are A+. Okay. (laughs) But... 100% we'll read this author again, honestly. Yeah, but (laughs) but then the whole time I kept thinking, but the plot kind of feels a little cliche. You know, it's like oh, I'm so tormented because I've been living such a shallow life. And oh, I'm so tormented because I killed someone and hid the body. It's like, that's like a million books. And I kept thinking, like, how can a writer who's so sophisticated with the language, like, how can that be all there is to this story? And then, of course, that's not all there was. Right, because that was the thing. I was getting more and more frustrated towards the end of the book because I'm like, why are there all these dumbass secrets? Like, Like, what is going on? Like, she sets it up so that you think Sophie is yeah. dead. Mm-hmm. I felt like Sophie was dead. Yeah. Like Hannah yeah. and her boyfriend. Right. I felt like killed Hannah and Sophie. her boyfriend right. killed Sophie. Probably an accident. Which is what happened. It was an accident that they killed the boyfriend. But like honestly thought Hannah killed Sophie and felt really mm-hmm. bad about it. But it's like no it's Sophie. I really liked reading this book. And I even I liked it reading it the second time through even more because reading it knowing the twist yeah. from the get-go oh that's interesting. is yeah. like fascinating yeah yeah that was why i started i also was at the the pool and finished it like i thought i was gonna take me all weekend because i thought i was gonna be massively drunk and i wasn't so i finished it at like 11 a.m the first day of my vacation and i was like i didn't bring another <laughs> book i'm gonna start over i guess <laughs> i got through about half of it and then reread mm-hmm. the ending mm-hmm. Like, I literally wrote down during my first read-through, do I like Hannah? And I hate Hannah. She's a self, she's a fucking self-destructive, she's like, she is the embodiment of the tower, just constantly self-destructing. The things that I didn't like about her, because the person who we think is Hannah as an adult, she's like an addict, right? She ends up becoming an actual drug addict. Right, and... It turns into Requiem for a Dream, like the last hundred pages, almost. (laughs) She's having a hard time dealing with this stuff. And you think it's because she's killed somebody, but it's not actually what happened. But I, when I thought it was all Hannah as the child and the adult, what I thought was Hannah as a child in the story, she's 12, is really self-absorbed. And maybe yes. that's like kind of normal for 12-year-olds, but Sophie isn't. Sophie as her friend is not self-absorbed at all. And then as an adult, the person... I think you're wrong. Okay. Sophie is self-absorbed and, like, is, like, obsessed well, with she's Hannah. She's obsessed with Hannah. But, I, you know, but I think her story is a little more sympathetic because she has such a terrible home. Like, her dad... Yes. Her dad's barely around. And then when he is, he's a monster. But then, but the rest of the time, her mom is a, a falling over drunk who doesn't care for her. Her obsession kind of makes sense. Because, yes. Uh, no, because Hannah has this perfect home life with like this beautiful family and Yeah, and Hannah is is really just 
a self-absorbed 12-year-old. But then as an adult, it kind of seemed like Hannah was just as self, like she never grew out of that self-absorption. And so I was like, I don't even like this main character, but I really liked Sophie. But then it's like interesting because like now I have to reevaluate how I feel about Hannah because you never actually see Hannah as an adult until the very end of the book when she's all pissed off. Because her friend led her to believe she was dead for 20 years. And and it's like, yeah. meanwhile, Sophie has become this person who tries only to live a life on the surface. And then when she ends up having to deal with stuff because she can't not deal with it, she, it's just like she's kind of self-absorbed. I mean, but then again, like the, the twist on the end, now I'm not sure what to think about <sighs> these characters i feel like i didn't get any time to reevaluate and then the book was over do you know what i mean it like right so no and that was why i was like i'm gonna start it again because i've watched so many movies like that yeah honestly i was trying to cast people in my head while i was reading this because like Mm. if they don't if they don't make a movie of this book i'm gonna have to write a letter to somebody because they really should make a movie and i know that that's blasphemous to say in a book club, but like, damn. Yeah, I don't care. Okay. Yeah. I love movies. I would just love to see, because you're also going to have to cast Agatha Christie and Virginia Woolf. Mm. Okay. I Sorry, I had like a mouthful of hot chocolate because I'm that person. I feel like I'm Tim Allen in the Santa Claus movie. Like, you're drinking wine, I'm drinking hot chocolate. <laughs> but um, We all know who's the bougie <laughs> bitch here, okay? It's me. <laughs> It was interesting the way she, like, presents these female writers. And at first when I read the back and it was like, Agatha Christie disappeared. I was like, no, she didn't. She lived until a ripe old age and everybody knew. Right. But actually, She disappeared she for two weeks. Sounded to me like she needed a vacation. <laughs> no shit. There's this writer who I had never heard of, the second one, Barbara Follett. Um, Incidentally, I really want to read that book now. <laughs> right. Well, this is the thing, though. The writer now, of course... I'm sure the writer did, like, way more research than I did five minutes on Wikipedia. But <laughs> Barbara Follett, the writer presents her as having, like, walked off because she's frustrated with her life and the restrictions that are externally placed upon her. And she kind of, you know, and she kind of has that story a little bit about Agatha Christie, like, struggling with that, too. But it kind of honestly looks like Barbara Follett was murdered by her husband and no one was Fuck. Like, yeah, because like the writer, the author's note in the back of the book says her best friend, like the last anybody saw her was her best friend, said that she just walked off with like a pocket full of cash and was never seen from again. But on Wikipedia, it said... And obviously, like, I don't rely on Wikipedia for everything, but for Googling a disappeared writer from the 30s, I guess I will. Um, Wikipedia made it sound like her husband told the police that he saw her last and she walked off with a pocket full of cash, never to be seen again. But he didn't report her missing for two weeks. Two weeks. And then after the police, like, talked to him about it, he didn't actually file an official missing persons report for four months. And Barbara Follett's mother, like, she was somebody who kept in touch with her family. And her family never heard from her again either. And her mom wrote letters. Like, it's clear the mom thought the husband had something to do with it. 
I don't know. Like, I she might be a case where there was foul Unsolved play. mysteries. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, um, my God. That was weird. I love the device, though, because Barbara was a child. She was 12 years old when her book was published. Yeah, that's right. And then you've got, and, like, the age of these kids. Right. Well, not only that, but, like, when I started rereading, I immediately noticed because Hannah's like, Sophie's got to stop wearing those braids. And the right. little ghost child that right. adult Hannah, adult Sophie, keeps seeing, she says, looks like Barbara because right. Barbara had the little braids. Because in the second section where they're talking about Barbara, it's like, that's like the father relationship section right. because Barbara right. had a complicated relationship with her father because he was her editor. Using but her. then like yeah. left the family. Yeah. He was using her. Yeah. That was the same with Sophie's dad. She cuts the braids off. She's like, there, I'm not daddy's little girl anymore. And Barbara, yeah. Yeah, Barbara does that. Sophie doesn't have a moment like that, but it's just like the braid, like that parallel was like, it was a a brilliant and very subtle, but like, it's just one of those things in literature when I I love those details. Yeah, she's got a lot of motifs. Oh, and so here's what I thought Ermina was an Agatha Christie person and because yeah I like as googling since I did not know that Agatha Christie like disappeared for a couple weeks at some point so I'm like googling this now I didn't know it either and and it turns out that she you know she lived to a ripe old age she remarried like two years later somebody 13 years younger Mm -hmm. than she was like go Agatha Mm -hmm. and they lived happily ever after but Apparently, when she was older, she retired to this countryside community and ran the community theater group, which is exactly what Ermina is doing. And it's interesting, too, because Agatha Christie, the way this right presents her, is somebody who's a reluctant mother. Mm-hmm. But Ermina is actually somebody who couldn't have a child of her own. There's all kinds of, like, mother-daughter stuff in this book. Mm-hmm. Layers and layers of it. I thought, like, that's kind of interesting, like, that little bit of info about Yeah. And I just caught it by chance. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, that's Ermina. Yeah, I love um, that. You almost have, like, Ermina, I guess, would be, like, the mother. And then Sophie, so- little Sophie is, like, Barbara. Mm-hmm. And then you have Virginia Woolf, which is, like, who commits suicide because she's she has like a mental illness that people don't know how to treat back in right. those days. That's like Sophie sort of ultimately like kills her old self by the end of the like you know by the end of the book. The other thing too with Virginia Woolf, it's a very subtle ad because Virginia Woolf was bisexual, I guess. Although it seems like she didn't she got married to a man, but she I guess she didn't. They didn't have like a. A passionate it's like in the book it's presented as they had a lot of like affection and mutual respect but not the kind of sexual passionate love right but Um, like there's a bunch of letters like when we read red white and royal blue they had some of virginia wolf's letters mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. cited in in the letters oh that book was so sweet (laughs) but yeah i mean she was also living in a world where she couldn't love the person she wanted to love i mean virginia wolf had a lot of reasons to walk into the river god lesser fun fact i've never actually read any virginia wolf and i am horrible horrible student of literature for saying that i gotta get on it i've read a lot of agatha christie (laughs) yeah me too there is an excellent i have to do my audible plug so dan stevens of downton abbey and beauty and the beast fame narrates and then there were none and murder on the orient express oh and he is the best voice actor I have ever heard in my life because wow. he does. Because on Murder in the Orient Express, 
there's at least 10 characters and he does a different voice for every single one and you know who's talking mm-hmm. brilliant he's so he's so good well, that's just my audible i always have to plug audible <laughs> i know i think that's great um that's good um, to know yes super good yeah check that out on audible um dan stevens narrating murder on the orient express fantastic i also wanted to add in there like at some point definitely into the last third of the book you sort of start to realize you can't really trust the adult character we think of as hannah you can't really trust her judgment on things but you only get she's like an unreliable narrator she's the worst like she clearly loves her husband her ex-husband or if i think they get divorced but um, I'm pretty sure they didn't get married. But yeah, she clearly loves him, yet spends a lot of time fault-finding and constantly being annoyed by how he just constantly adores her no matter what she does. And I'm like, it's almost like she has made him to be a superficial person because of the depth of his love for her. Mm-hmm. And I found it interesting because one of the very last lines in the book is she has sort of like released everything she needs to release And she calls him, and he's been, like, trying to get her to come back the whole book. And she calls him, and she finally says, I'm coming home. And it says, like, she heard on the line, like, a brittle smile. Mm -hmm. But then the ending, the tone of the ending was kind of happy because she feels good. And, And I thought that's so interesting because the whole book, she's so annoyed by how adoring he is and how he doesn't seem to notice her flaws when she thinks that he should. And now it almost seems like he's maybe had enough. (laughs) But at the same time, I saw it as like a positive thing because it's, he's like clearly a human and her whole problem the whole time has been, how can any human like love me so much, right? He's having a normal human reaction. It's probably upsetting. He's probably exhausted you get a totally different picture than what she was paint than than how she painted him when she was you know crashing and on drugs and he's so adoring and she hates that about it like do you know like does that make sense like it's oh yeah no i mean she's like completely eight of swords herself like she's like all blindfolded and like tied up in the middle of these swords and like i i have nowhere to go except through this pit in the floor with drugs and sex parties Bitch, like, open, take your blindfold off. Jesus. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She's so, like, this is the fascinating thing about this book, though, is that I hate her. (laughs) I hate her. I've never hated a main character. I've never been like, okay, like, fine. If you're just going to, like, fuel yourself up with drugs, like, die in the hospital. See if I fucking care. I'm not even going to cry for you. No no tears for you, Argentina. But (laughs) I still was like, but what? But what's happening? <laughs> right, right. Well, and I feel like I like I really liked the character Sophie as a girl. So she built up and I didn't like the character Hannah as a girl. And so like Sophie like built up all this credibility with me that when I found out it was her in the end, I was willing to forgive like all of her nonsense. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's how I was like, oh, okay, I guess I don't hate this book. <laughs> I I don't know if I liked anybody. Okay. The only person <laughs> I really liked was her best friend B because. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they like paint her to be so like fucking superficial in the beginning but she's that not. beautiful yeah. no she's not she's literally like picked her up off the floor of that like 
horrendous but like amazingly described party because she at one point says masochistic heels and i need a pair of those immediately i don't know what they are but i want them but b saves her from this party right well that is like liable narrator yeah that narrator is only seeing the things that she hates about herself like in other people yeah exactly she like b is like so excited like B, like, in, at the beginning of the book, B invites her to this party, and it's just, like, just just come to the party, and, like, was, like, oh, like, makes this big show of saying hello, but then it's just, like, I know it was tough for you to come here, and I'm, like, that's a, that's a real right. friend moment. Like, right. that's a real, she didn't have to say nothing, you know? Right. Like, right. and she didn't have to have her over after, like, she, like, OD'd at that dumbass party, was, like, dump that boy because he's a drug right. dealer. I mean, she's not superficial, like, none of these people... No, Aye. she's like lucky to have these people in her life, she's and she lit- but she's self destruct. She's out of control with self destructing. Like it's and just- everybody told her, like her editor was like, "You can still write this book and still work here." And she's like, "Yeah, no, I can't. No, I can't." Like Eight of Swords all over the place. But she this you know, is, they read this yeah. book and understand that the Eight of Swords is this entire book, and then mm-hmm. you will understand that tarot card completely. Okay. Oh, that's a really good point. That's really but also, good. I pulled out ten of ten of wands as well because she takes on this book and is like, "I'm going to write about all these authors and I'm going to get it done." And she like can never meet her deadline and she can't write anything. She but she it was, becomes trapped. Yeah, it was also really brilliant that there was a lot on Agatha Christie because we would know the most about Agatha Christie because right. you know that I mean she she lived, um, <laughs> she lived. Jesus. <laughs> She, like, writes less and less about the characters as she goes on because, in reality, she Hannah is writing less and less. She's, like, working on her book yeah, less and less. Yeah, that's right. That's like, right. Virginia Woolf gets the least <laughs> mm-hmm. attention, which I was upset about because it was like, I want to I wanna know about Virginia. So I have to go yeah, with Virginia on my own. Well, and I know I actually know very little about Virginia Woolf's life. I mean, I just knew that she had committed suicide and that it was – Probably because of, you know, something that back in those days they just treated very poorly. But it seems like she was physically ill as well. Like, she had some serious mm. issues, which is mm. so sad. Like, it's great that she had such a wonderful... I See, I've really got to read some of her stuff. I think I've read one of her short stories, and it was... It's just not something you forget, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's exactly the way that she described it, like, within the novel, was, like, you Mm. don't... That's what she said. She wanted to write something that was unforgettable, like, the way Virginia wrote, I mean. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing. Agatha Christie writes that way, too. That stuff sticks with you. I mean, Mm -hmm. Hercule Poirot is iconic. Murder, She Wrote is... I honestly don't think of Agatha Christie and not think of Angela Lansbury also. <laughs> Even no though I doubt. never saw. Or the Hercule Poirot guy. Never well, actually, saw. Actually, now I'm drawing this. Wasn't Hercule Poirot Belgian, like the the writer of this book? French. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, okay, because that's possible. That's that's actually possible because they speak French in Belgium. Hmm. We'll have to go back. But I mean, Agatha Christie, friggin' brilliant. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, again, back to the Ten of Wands thing, though, is that she just took on this huge project, like, wanted to blow up her entire life and write a book and, like, Mm -hmm. go from writing a column to being a pizza waitress. (laughs) I don't, like, I don't understand, like, again, this is, like, the whole thing about the Ten of Wands, too, is, like, just, okay, I'm going to pick up one stick and two sticks 
and three mm-hmm. sticks and you're like i'm fine i can carry three sticks and then you're just like i need these other seven sticks though and then you're just like wait i'm gonna drop these sticks which is what mm-hmm. happens to hannah she just like her whole life falls fucking apart she ends up in the hospital mm-hmm. and then she's like mm-hmm. oh yeah i need to go to belgium and i need to apologize to the real hannah or no, namesake right. hannah <laughs> The real Hannah. And, I was so, so confused. It was so weird that she took the name Hannah, too. Like, the, why did you... I mean, she didn't have to. She could have stayed I love Sophie and very... You know. I love the way she described it, though, because she was, like, the only name I ever wanted. And I'm like, that is so <laughs> obsessive, but sweet. <laughs> she kills her boyfriend. I mean, like, she's so obsessed with Hannah. See, I don't like so young Sophie either. Like... Oh, it's so... I, so I thought the killing the boyfriend was self-defense, though, because they kind of attacked her. They and- did. No, they did. But it was also like, Sophie didn't seem to think about anything, honestly. She only thought about, like, I love Hannah. And Hannah's like, I like the way she said, she kept saying it, too. I'm with Damien now. Like, mm-hmm. as if they had had a romantic relationship, her and Sophie. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. Well... Hannah well, couldn't help know- but acknowledge that they had a relationship... Right, that's a good point. But, you know, I feel like in that moment when she lashed out at, at Damien with the knife, there was also, like, a little descriptor where she was, like, thinking about her dad. And so that's mm-hmm. where I kind of thought it was, like, she was scared. Of course, she it's not like she stabbed out at Hannah, even though Hannah was the one who tore her clothes apart. So <laughs> was potentially more threatened. Yeah, because she would not ever. Although she did attack Hannah earlier. They had that big scene fight scene at school where she bit her like yeah she is she like a werewolf like what (laughs) she bit her it's cool out of control out of control for real i don't know i mean like overall writing was great i i did enjoy the second read through i don't know it's just written so well and it's just Mm -hmm. so seamless like going back and forth it's very different yeah so if you it is super different like you have three stories going on at the same time it, within a section. And then, like, mm-hmm. you move on to the next section and that's all, you're adding a different author. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't know. I thought it, it was, like, I can only imagine her pitching this idea and mm-hmm. the editor being like, what the fuck? She's like, I can do it, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot to keep track of. And you're right. Like, the storyline of one woman writer after another and why they were triggers for her makes a lot more sense when you realize by the end that it's Sophie instead of Hannah like you like the Mm -hmm. whole issue with the mom the mom situation it's like you're absolutely right I'm like I'm I'm like missing something here and then in the end it's like okay I see like Sophie's the one who has this crappy mom yeah, so there, but yeah, it's it's not like a mystery, like a classic mystery novel, but it gives you a lot to puzzle over as you read it, like if you don't know the end, right? Right. I, I've never read anything like this before. I really, I am excited to read this author again, but I'm really glad to have read it. I have to mention, because I think I haven't mentioned before, the reason this book exists in our podcast is because the bot of Sarah Muleman commented on something in my instagram stories and i was like why does this keep happening and then i was like oh she's an author oh i want to buy her book (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome 
Yeah, so it's not like I've ever, like, not had real interactions with her, but I did start following her and, like, read her book because of the bot. So I guess the bot worked. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm a sucker for a good book. How many kilts do we give this one? I don't, you know, I don't even, I still don't even know what to think about this book. <laughs> I, mean, I know, right? Like, the language, <sighs> like, her writing style and use of language gets like five kilts for sure yeah totally five kilts but the plot it's it's all over the place (laughs) i don't see and that's the thing i don't know because like i don't i want it to be made into a movie i want who do i want who do i want in the movie i want like Catherine zeta jones for armenia Mm. (laughs) an ex-broadway star because all I could think about her, uh, her in Chicago, and she's she's great, and she doesn't get enough credit for being as amazing as she is. And I want who do I want for Hannah, adult Hannah? Okay, so I do have to say because when we listened to Binti, read Binti, and I listened to, I still am listening to that Binti playlist that Aphronomenon oh, yeah. made. Cool. So I was like reading this book, and I'm like, what would be a good playlist? Well, I swear to God, Taylor Swift must have read this book because. She lives on Cornelia Street, and Taylor Swift has a song called Cornelia Street about a couple breaking up. But also, Taylor Swift's latest album, Folklore, is like this entire book. She is denied that it is about a lesbian relationship, but the whole album is like about a lesbian relationship. Like, going awry and like having complicated things and and even from childhood i my one friend and i who were obsessing over the new folklore album when it came up i messaged her jesse i know you're eventually gonna listen to this and i was like you have to read this book because it is that album and we're gonna talk about it on fabulous fools so i don't know and the, the other the other song that i would probably add to it is ain't no crying in the club by camila cabello cabello Anyway, that's, those are my playlist picks for this, I guess, if you want to listen to something while reading it. Okay, but we have to talk tarot cards. So I already yeah. talked about Eight of Swords. I was very proud of myself, though, because I picked pip cards instead of oh. court cards. Wow. <laughs> no, well, that was the Eight of Swords and the, and the Ten of Wands, you know? Yeah, that's right. And the right. Tower, I guess, is a major arcana. Well, and it's it's just so hard to pin this character down. I mean, you're right. Like, it's pip cards. I like that idea. She's the tower. She's the tower. She's not even the fool. She's the fucking tower. She just explodes her entire life. Well, she... Especially yeah. in the Ludi Lesko deck. Like, mm-hmm. look at this woman flinging herself off of the tower. Yeah. That's Hannah. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like there's, like, a big Six of Swords moment, too, of her, like, leaving, you know, being whisked away. Mm-hmm. Especially with her one, uh, her one weird pseudo boyfriend who is the actor. Well, it's almost like she is going through a progression from one card to the next, but it's all in. It's like as if they would all be reversals. You know, hmm. like she's she's going exactly the opposite direction of what she thought she would be going when she went on this creative project. And it leads her to self-destruction rather than – and but then, you know, I guess that's like the end is like that Ten of Swords moment, like that self-destruction that leads to a rebirth, you know, when she decides to throw that knife into the lake and let go and not tell the authorities because it would ruin all these people's lives who – who just basically helped her. But then she was like, okay with it. It was like, that was what she needed. It was okay for her to do that. And, and then she let go. And it was like this sort of 
regenerative moment for her. I like it. I feel like I had a hard time pinning down a lot of characters because I thought Arminia, I guess, was the empress, but also like the queen Mm -hmm. of cups, maybe because... Yeah, for sure. Because there's a line that says she is a matriarch and a negligee, and I was like, that's the best (laughs) thing I think I've ever heard. Like, that is exactly what I want in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. It made me think Queen of Wands a lot. Oh, yeah. Like, not so much the creativity, although she does seem like a very creative person, but more like the, like, the fieriness, the sexiness, but also, like, the, not matronliness, but, like, the uh, in-charge-ness and emotional intuition of the queen. Yeah. Yeah. I guess her, her husband slash fiancé, Boy, who was only named Boy, which I was like, that's a weird name, and then I realized, like, halfway through... That's not his name. <laughs> all she names. But it's so, again, at the end, you see, it's like all the men that she's with, she gives them a nickname. Like, she's so shallow. Yeah. But then you realize that she's not even calling herself her real name at the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> but I think she calls him something that's not boy at the very, very end. But it's not like his name. But it's something else where it's like. She said, I hear his name. Yeah. Okay. That's like the last sentence. Like almost. And that's like a huge change because I kept thinking. It is. Oh, my God. This is like the love of her life. And he loves her. And she keeps calling him boy. Like that's there's something so messed so up. Demeaning. Yeah. But then, and it's like, she treats all men the same as she treats him. Like, anyway, so. Because she, the love of her life was Hannah. Yeah, but that was when she was like 12, you know. (laughs) I mean. Yeah, but she, like, that changed her entire life. Her loving Hannah affected the rest of her life. Because she loved Hannah so fiercely and she couldn't give her up. She accidentally kills Hannah's boyfriend, and then she has to go to America. And yeah, then and of course she never gets closure on any of that, right? Right. She just well, has neither to, like, does neither does Hannah. But I do like in the end how it's like she's able to let finally gets the closure and is able to let it all go, and then it's like she grows up. It's like she realizes that home is with boy, mm-hmm. and she wants to go back to him, and she's okay. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you're right. I Yeah, this was a hard book because it was really hard to like the character. Yeah, I feel like Boy, because it's only the perception that Hannah has of him, like, mm-hmm. goes through, like, a page and then eventually becomes, like, a king. I mean, he seems like relationship goals, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I feel like, too, that's the unreliable narrator bit that she is painting him in a really good light she doesn't want it to seem like there's anything wrong with him because again she's punishing herself right and you can see how she obviously struggled with this miscarriage it seemed to be the thing that sparked all of this stuff coming back up from her past right right the one thing even though she seems to be so annoyed that he can actually love her because she can't love herself the one thing that she fixates on is this one comment he made to her which was we can try again and Mm -hmm. she's like oh he was so heartless he doesn't understand but to me it's like that's where the unreliable narrator makes it really unclear like what that scene could have really been like because Mm -hmm. even though that could have been a very insensitive thing to say it could also have been said in a supportive way and she's just grasping at straws to come up with the reason to reject him and her life 
because she's not ready for it. Or she's fixating on that one thing he said. Right. So I feel like the writer was like planting these seeds of unreliable narrator early, but you don't really see how bad it is until the end. As a character card for her, like I have no idea. I'm telling you, she's a tower. Yeah. No, you're absolutely. Yeah, that's totally right. Like you're completely right about that. That's such a great card for her. Yeah. Like I said, I think boy progresses from like page to night. Mm-hmm. to king, like queen even mm-hmm. to king you know um i guess i'd put him in the suit of cups mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's all emotionally related but yeah i mean his character like knight of cups almost yeah like yeah but i mean i feel like because she calls him boy like that makes me think of page of cups and just like and especially his eagerness to like try and patch things up with her Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, that's right. That's right. He kind of just progresses. He just like embodies kind of the entire suit of cups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he, I'm only going off of what Hannah will tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- that was really like all the main characters. I mean, Armenia shakes her at one point, and I'm like, thank you for that. <laughs> well, she's got just some- be happy. <laughs> well, yeah, like it's interesting. Like her, her two female friends when she's an adult are Hannah, or I'm sorry. Are Armenia, Armenia and B, and they they both kind of come in with this like Queen of Swords energy with her every once mm-hmm. in a while. Like, you need to get your crap together. This is not okay. They're trying to set boundaries. You know, like I think that she has these two sources of support that are like that for her. Yeah, she's got everything she could need. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want any of it. And I shouldn't say like just be happy because I understand like. With mental illness, although I don't think that's what her problem is. doesn't seem like this is a story about being mentally ill. This is a story about being kind of a dumbass. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, isn't this a little bit like Lifetime movie? Like, honestly, if they had just told the police what happened, like, what is the worst that could have happened to them? Seriously. I don't... It was know, an accident. They're kids. I know. And I just... It's a little, it was all like a little bit over the top. I mean, I, mean, that's I, think, I guess like, Sophie wanted a reason to escape her life. Fine. And they, you know, and of course kids aren't thinking straight. They don't want to get in trouble. So they, they hide the body, but, and the whole like falling on a rock. I mean, I was a little bit like this whole brilliant story is built around a slightly shaky key moment. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I feel like I honestly kind of liked that because it is one of those things. It all happened so fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I kind of love that because Sophie finally has to deal with the consequences of her actions. Mm-hmm. Like, and how she got to the point where she did the worst thing she could do to Hannah by, like, trying to be with her. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> she's just a walk. She's a walking self-destructive tower. Okay? Like, she can't do anything right when it comes to Hannah. So, like... I'm glad they didn't end up together because Hannah was right. She was, like, super messed up. I don't know. You know, I just saw Hannah as the worst kind of friend to her when when they were younger. I mean, that it's, you know, she... I, I honestly think she tried... And Sophie pushed her to the breaking point because, like, the the reason it self-destructs is because they're, like, having sex and her dad walks in on them. Yeah, and that makes sense, like, why Hannah would give her the cold shoulder. Right, because she, like, I mean, you've been friends with somebody for forever, but, like, you have to deal with your parents constantly when you're that that's age. That's right, that's right. And Hannah also wanted to, like, be more grown up 
And Sophie was very childish. You know, I just saw Sophie as somebody who, but you're right though. Like it, it, it is like from Hannah's perspective, it makes sense why you know, she wants her father's approval. And it was this really bad moment for her when he walks in on the two of them making out. But mm-hmm. I, I think, I think I was just really sympathetic to Sophie because of her home life. But she also is just like, yeah. She's also like socially, like she just strikes me as like a kid who's socially awkward, you know, and also. She doesn't ever try to make well, other but it's friends. Like she's in these situations that are really creepy. Like, like Hannah wants to go to this bar and drink beer with these older guys. And Sophie's like, I mean, I would be uncomfortable if I were an 11 year old in that situation too. Like it's. You know, and Sophie, I mean, we know why she has these really strict boundaries with with boys. But, I, you know, it just it, to me, it was like so uncomfortable, like all those scenes in that bar. It seemed like a terrible place. Yeah. And I, you know, so but you're right. Like it's it was a very strange childhood, like to describe a childhood where they had those kinds of experiences. Like I was just like, what? I don't like what a 12 year old has this life experience like i don't know (laughs) i do not know anyway so the book will be uh, an interesting read for sure (laughs) who do you have who would you who would you cast as hannah in the movie oh gosh um like adult hannah grown-up hannah i don't know i'm not very good with like modern day actors somebody who's great at playing someone who self-destructs and i i know i've seen actresses do that and i and i can't remember who like who's brilliant at that kind of thing because i feel like i've seen that but i can't think of anybody i'm thinking about amelia clark from game of thrones but it would be terrible now, which which uh character was she in game of daenerys okay now she's too wholesome looking i mean like she has she has too much like healthy meat on her bones you know in a good way like i don't know but yeah i think Catherine zeta jones to play armenia hmm boy boy could be played by like ryan gosling <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be perfect he's a little bit older yeah but like the poster child work. for like blonde hair blue eyed it would be hilarious for him to be ryan gosling to, to be played by ryan gosling because like he's up on a pedestal and like ryan gosling is like the baby boy (laughs) (laughs) like heart classic james dean heartthrob type uh anyway do you have any other final tara thoughts for this book even though it was confusing as fuck no i just my mind was so blown like i feel like i'm still processing i mean of course i finished it last night so yesterday and i finished it like two weeks ago Ah. i see why you've been thinking about it the whole time though (laughs) yeah because it's just been like whoa well i I will say, like, as I was looking, I mean, I guess it's kind of like shifting to what our next book is going to be, which is the full title is, and I'm mentioning this because I was looking it up yesterday, and it's for, like, right now you can get it for a dollar for Kindle. Um, what? It's, the short title is Black Tom, but the long title is... It's Victor Laval. Oh, it's, it's The Ballad of Black Tom. Yeah. So our next book for December is, it's a novella, and it's The Ballad of Black Tom by Victor Lavelle, and, or Lavelle, and it's right now on Amazon for Kindle. It's like a dollar. So so if you want to read it, now is a great time to get it on Kindle. Get it to read. So, so it's a short book? Yeah. I think it's like, 
I, th- I saw it's it's described as a novella. Bincy was too, but we just read like all of them. We read all of them. <laughs> okay. I'm not really sure what to do here, Karen, because this book, even though I've been thinking about it a bunch, like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to make a spread for this book. I don't know what to do here. But we can't not do tarot at the end of the episode because that's a curse. <laughs> well, we could center it around the idea of a tower since that's, like, the main character. Ooh, we could do that thing. Like, you look at the tower, you find the tower card, and then the card before it and the card after that. Yes, that's totally what – that's, like, came to my mind the same moment. Yeah, okay, let's do that. So what we say is before is, like, the thing that caused you to be in a tower moment and the way that you resolve it. So, like, Ooh, for Hannah, yeah. it was – killing Damien <laughs> and uh and for uh resolving it she had to figure out that she needed to let go of that trauma and like confront the real Hannah the yeah. real fake Hannah again exactly can the real slim shady please stand up okay <laughs> I'm sorry I had to that's all right that's cool <laughs> I have shuffled and shuffled and shuffled and shuffled and okay. now I have to find the tarot card tarot. see this okay. is complicated because I can just like pull off the top we gotta like Find, find the it. tower. Oh, I found Kate. it already. Wowza. Oh, that was quick. That, that I'm is. so excited for y'all to see the tower card in this deck because it is very dramatic. And it's reversed. Like, come on already. <laughs> I swear, you've been getting so many reversals late, lately, girl. Like Are you shuffling correctly? I, you need to just flip that. everything right, right side up. You want me to do that? I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, no more reversals today. Uh, yeah, I'm tired okay, of it. So then, but do I keep things in the order? Do I like? Do you know what I'm saying? No, you would keep things in the order. Don't flip like, the whole thing like a clock, but just flip each individual card right side up. You know what? This makes more sense reversed. I'm gonna have to keep them reversed. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> you were saying that like everything should be reversed for this book. <laughs> That's Whoa. right. You're right. Okay, okay I'm going to start because my reading is very intense. Okay, let's hear it. It is the world. Oh. And then the tower. And then the king of cups. This deck is being like a huge booty. Okay. What? <laughs> a booty. It's being a huge booty. Okay, so let's start with the world. So this is the thing that you fucked up to get be in the tower situation so i'm confused this is a very basic world card because it's like two naked people inside of a giant pearl and there's stars around them and like a full moon and a waxing moon and then a rose and i see saturn oh because saturn Mm. the world card is represented by saturn saturn is the planet of discipline and responsibility so i feel like Mm -hmm. if this is the way you fucked up like you had everything kind of handed to you on a silver platter, but you didn't basically keep it up. You know, you didn't yeah. like, you were handed, like, all, you had all of the mm-hmm. tools available to you, but you didn't use them. Yeah. Or you didn't do it on time. And that is the reason that you're in the tower situation where she is literally jumping off a building that is on fire very dramatically. Um, so the way to fix it is the King of Cups, which is classic get your shit together card because you have to marry the emotional Mm -hmm. heart and the logical head um so you have to reconcile the emotions with the logical course of action Mm -hmm. so um there's also an owl in this king of cups which i think is wonderful because i've seen the owl in different king cards but i haven't ever seen him in the king of cups he's also got this like weird molecule type 
beaker. Can you see this? Do you see this thing he's got yeah. in his hand? It's very weird. Um, so there, it seems like that mm -hmm. is like comp very complex emotions then. Yeah, he's sitting in his chair, like looking at the window, holding this like very complicated beaker. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of complicated emotions to kind of sort through, which there must be if you were not doing the thing that you should have been doing when you were literally handed mm -hmm. everything in order to do it. Um, so it must be that it's the emotions that are holding you back because it's certainly mm -hmm. not the means. So you just have to kind of process those emotions in such mm -hmm. a way to like identify them. Like Hannah has to do in the book. She has to identify her emotions and mm -hmm. figure out like what it is that she needs. That's, that's what I got. What do you got? So all my cards were reversed, but it kind of makes sense the more I think about it. So the tower is reversed, right? And then before the tower is a reverse star. And after the tower is reversed, four of cups. And so I feel like this was almost like a snapshot of her tower moment because she's sort of like the queen of denial. Like she even denies who she really is by changing her name. And so if I think mm -hmm. about the beginning of the book where she's broken from her very stable life to go write a book. I feel like she thinks that that's maybe like her star moment, right? Like her hopes and dreams, her bridging, like her ideas about what she wants for the future with like, like all of her skills and talents and wanting to use them in a way that gives something to the world. So I feel like that's like a star moment, but we know as readers that that's not actually what's going on. And so that's not actually completely the catalyst. Like if you want to write this great book, you don't need to completely destroy your current life to go do that. Right. And so, mm -hmm. so it's really a reverse star moment because she's, she's actually already beginning her self-destruction and, you know, but in the guise or convincing herself that she's doing it to pursue this dream and I think the whole time that this tower moment is going on, she's kind of denying it or not realizing it. You know, like I think a lot of the drug use is like she's rather, she'd rather, she's not accepting the process that's really happening. And so I think it's, it's not a healthy right. tower moment. It's like she's stuck in this tower moment for a really long time because of her unhealthy choices. The outcome is a reversed four of cups. And I'm going to flip it upright so you can see, but... You know, fours are like a place of real stability. And so like what you have in the upright card is this woman lying on her back, looking up at the sky, kind of lethargic, but it's like, why should I move right now? You know, mm -hmm. like that kind of thing. And I think that can be what four of cups is like. Like, I'm, I'm not sure I want to leave this place of emotional stability. Um, like it might mm -hmm. not be you know, the most stimulating or, or whatever. But as a reversed card for this character, again, I, I mean, it's almost like she's trying for a while not to accept or deal with, you know, it, I don't know. She, she is, she has disrupted her own stability. But then once she's on her own and going through this really messed up kind of, process of you know I either have to accept it or I have to self-destruct but in the end like both of those things happen hmm. but they ha but they happen in the way that they should happen that she actually just lets go 
rather than like going continuing on these drug binges and trying to kill herself in that way. So I would say this reading, like this reverse four of cups is maybe her, you know, maybe avoiding getting out of the comfort zone in the ways that she should be getting out of the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's not like the end of the, it doesn't bring us all the way to the end of the book, I guess, but maybe it's more like the beginning of the book phase where she's kind of doing whatever she can to, to not deal emotionally with what's really going on and she'll kind of do anything to avoid that right like even to the point of like doing like using lots and lots of drugs all the time not eating like she's literally falling apart she's like losing weight she's not cleaning her apartment not eating yeah yeah and that to me maybe that's like her reverse four of cups definitely aware something is going on but she doesn't want to move beyond that until closer to closer to the end of the book like it's easier to stay in that crappy like making all those crappy choices than to actually deal with what you need to deal with like somehow that's emotionally more comfortable for her for a while (laughs) which is really messed up (laughs) right no i mean that's how it goes that was a cool idea for a reading i like that (laughs) came up with it on the fly so Next month, we are reading Victor Laval's The Ballad of Black Tom, which is an homage to Lovecraft. And I think it's probably, I mean, you've watched some of Lovecraft Country, too. Yes, I'm behind. I, I think we only did the first season. I don't know if there's more, but. No, it's it just finished the first season. Like, we've been, we were watching okay. it, like, when we started watching it, the episodes were coming out live on Sundays. Um, but I feel like. I feel like people that are going to read with us The Ballad of Black Tom, like, take a look at Lovecraft Country. Yes, we're definitely going to talk about Lovecraft Country because the dynamic... So Lovecraft was an asshole. He hated everyone. He was a huge bigot. And the fact that The Ballad of Black Tom exists and the fact that Lovecraft Country exists in spite of him being an ass, like, a racist asshole, because he is, like, the godfather of science fiction. But... It's problematic for people of color because he hated them so much. So we are going to talk about that a lot. And I think that it would be worthwhile for you to check out Lovecraft Country because we're going to talk about it next episode, especially because it's just a novella. So watch TV in addition to reading. And this is for me going to be like a process of like educating myself about Lovecraft because. Oh, yeah, me too. um, And I, you know. I really, before you mentioned this book, like, like heard his name and that was like about it. Like I knew he was sort of this, is he like kind of a horror writer? It's horror science fiction. Yeah. Mm, Okay. So yeah, I could talk a little bit about like how I personally came across Lovecraft. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, he was writing in like the twenties, I think it was. So, I mean, he's, his writing is older. But yeah, we will talk about all of that next episode, which will air sometime in December. Yeah, you make me want to read this book because of how you described it. So. We've been talking about reading this book for quite a while. Just like we've had Find Me Gone on the list. And I mean, it's just we're actually going to need suggestions soon. So if y'all have suggestions, mm-hmm. we would love that. Engage with us. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Rate the podcast. Check out. So Karen is a Grail Seekers Quest. Mm-hmm. And your YouTube channel is a little bit on hiatus, but only because your personal life is just... <laughs> not we, a, <laughs> a water slide of amazingness 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I, love <that> <laughs> I love that phrase. You can find the Instagram. It's Fabulous Fools Tarot on Instagram. And I am at Mystical Millennial. And um, you can find my podcast, Mystical Millennial Podcast, anywhere you also listen to this podcast because uh, it's the same publishing app. And finally, my new podcast, Witches Who Watch. And we just recorded Hocus Pocus, which is really fun. I got really drunk and it was great. <laughs> I totally want to watch this movie now. I haven't seen it. And then I'm going to listen to your podcast. Watch it with the kids. It's such a great kids movie. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. You're going to, there's some adult jokes in there, but your kids will straight up not understand. So it'll be fine. <laughs> Thank you all for listening so much. We will see you in December for the Ballad of Black Tongue. Okay. Woohoo. Bye. <laughs> Bye.